You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning, Village Church. It's good to be with you all this morning. If you can turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, give you guys a second, and it's also up on the screens. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit this is the word of the Lord you all can be seated and any children can be dismissed to classes at this time good morning my name is Michael I am one of the pastors here thanks so much for hanging out with us today and like Scott mentioned uh, some some of us are dressed a little nicer or different than usual, and so um, I'm actually going to preach and then run out of here and go uh, to a funeral, and so pardon the jacket for the day, all right? Um, Would you pray with me? Father, what a gift to gather as your people, to sit under your word and, and to pray together and to sing together as one in Christ. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see? Would you not let us be deceived, not even by your very word? Would you let us um, desire to be informed? And as Paul says, I pray today that we would not be uninformed, but you would show us that, that we get to live in light of a God who speaks and, and Holy Spirit, what you speak is, is you move us toward Jesus. Thanks for the gift. Thanks for this day. Thanks for the beauty of, of song and relationships and friendships. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we sit here in, in 2021, not unaccustomed to the idea of spirits, and I don't mean the liquor kind. I mean like the Casper and, uh, and Frozen 2 kind, right? Um, from Disney to, to Halloween costumes and, and, and uh, Star Wars, the Force, there are these concepts that we see. There's no shortage of cultural touch points to fill in all of the gaps on how we perceive and how we think about the spiritual realm and, and certainly the spirit world and all of those things. But being familiar with a concept, and certainly the concept of spirits or the spirit does not make us experts about the real nature and the work and the nearness and, and the gifts of our life in the spirit. So today we kind of set sail on a, a four-week journey, a small journey, with our targets kind of dialed towards informing our minds and by God's grace inflaming our hearts to, to live life to the fullest through, through Jesus and, the, and through the presence of, of the Holy Spirit and, and the way that he makes himself known through our 
life. And so my hope is, and this is, is that we will continue to grow humbly and that we will move the needle towards uh, a greater continuity in our, in our life, in what we believe and how we live with regards to the things of scriptures and, and, and that our, our belief and practice would align and, and maybe even more than that, that we might overcome our confusion and our ignorance regarding the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he offers us. So Paul helps us kind of set things up in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and he says it like this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, and that seems pretty straightforward. The word is, is something like spiritual gifts, and, and, and it can also be spiritual things or spiritual people, but the idea is when we put it all in context, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, which is exactly where we find ourselves today. Uh, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want you to have the right information. I do not want you to be ignorant. I, I do not want you to ignore the information that you do have. So, so do not ignore it. Do not be uninformed, but, but know what it is. And so Paul's caution kind of out of the gate is, is that these people are not far enough removed from pagan practices. And, and like in our day, in, in some context, they, uh, in, in Roman rituals and in other spiritual situations, would have practiced uh, spiritual trances and, and, and spiritual mysticism and, and all kinds of things in the spiritual realm. And so for us, similarly, I know that we all come here with, with a past and, and maybe with some baggage and maybe with some preconceived notions, some perspectives that we might be running to with regard to the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts or some perspectives that we might be running from or, or maybe you're not running at all. You're not running in any direction and you plan to stay right where you are and that's, that's okay. But, but I would tell you this, like rest assured, if, if God wants you to move toward him, he will move you toward him. And, and rest assured, if you're running away from God or, or towards some misunderstanding of who he is, he wants you to change your course. And so we use the word repent all the time, and it's, it's to change course, it's to, to flip it around. And so, so if we're running from God or from some baggage or for, from some uh, experiences that we've shared or, or whatever it is, like God would desire that, that we change course and we run to him. And so all of my cards on the table, and I might say this every week for the next month, but, but I became a Christian in a hyper-charismatic church context, and for some of you, you're like, what does that mean? I sort of made the word up, but, but here's what it means. It, it, it meant that, that um, when we gathered together, church service like this, um, it was often extremely chaotic, right? But I can't say that, that there wasn't like energy in the room, and, and it was definitely confusing at times, and 13-year-old and 14-year-old and me, like new to the church, having never really stepped foot in a church in my entire life, coming in and seeing like crazy stuff, and people running, and like just banners, and all kinds of nothing like this room feels right now, <laughs> right? Um, so it was, it was confusing at times, but I can't say that there wasn't a thirst for the Spirit to move because there was. Like, like a deep longing to know God. And, 
And at times, things were exciting, but, but I can't say that the people were not devoted because they were definitely devoted to the Lord. It was regular practice for people to, to come forward at the end of a gathering and seek the gift of tongues. And like, stand here, and I'm going to come and pray over you, and you're going to receive the gift of tongues. And that was just Sunday. <laughs> it was just, that was any day of the week. And people slain in the spirit. And there was, we have a lot of serve teams around here. And, and there was serve teams that their job was to take the little cloth and lay it over the women who were wearing dresses when they were laid out in the spirit. That, that was, that's what I lived in. So I know many of you probably sit in that. And some of you are like, what? Never heard this in my entire life. Thought that was made up, right? In a normal gathering, there would be loud shouts in English and loud shouts in unknown languages. Just, it wasn't uh, even a special event. It was just, it was just Sunday. That's just what it was. And people would declare prophetic words from God. And so I remember sitting in many, I'll share some more stories over the next month, but sitting in a gathering and somebody just stand up and everyone just silent and, and they would thus saith the Lord, right? And everybody's like, what? And I'm just trying to figure it all out. And Kim's like elbowing me like, just shut up, you know? I'm like, Okay. So we left that church, uh, and I became a youth pastor at 21, so I was at that church for six years, and I met Jesus there, and, and I grew in my devotion to him, right? 21, went to a Baptist church, and it was quite different, and I don't have time to tell you, but it was funny hearing the concern of our pastor as we were going to the Baptist church, and, and the Baptist church pastor having concern of the church that we were coming from, and just all those things, and it, and it felt a lot different. It was a little bit of a... It was, a hard, it was kind of a hard shift, right? Um, and then we were at that church for six years, and we planted the village when I was 27, and now I'm 39. So I've been here uh, for twice as long as I've been a part of any other church. You may or may not know this, but it's not necessarily par for the course for that type of expression to show up here. So somewhere along the way, there was like some steering wheel shifts and and we'll take the next month and have a chat with our bibles and our heads and our and our hearts and our hands open about that you come from somewhere else right and maybe it looked like that and maybe that's all foreign to you so we're kind of diving into this uh like i said with open hearts and so the next thing that paul says in, in verse two he says you know that when you were pagans you were led astray to mute idols however you were led and so what he's saying is when, when the Bible talks about pagans, it doesn't just mean sorcery and whatever. It just means that they, they were not following Jesus. They were following someone else. They were not Jewish. They were not following the God of the Old Testament. They were following someone else. And so when you were pagans, he says, you, you were led away to mute idols. And so he's saying, you were, you, were, you were duped by gods who didn't even speak. They, they weren't real. So he's contrasting this one true God who does speak and who is real. And he says, therefore, I want you to understand. And so he's really, he, he really wants them to get this. And then, then he says that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Right? So, so God speaks not unlike the mute idols. And, and then people speak in the spirit. And they never say that Jesus is accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
So we can kind of assume that he's responding to some issues and, and kind of the way that he's writing in Corinthians, Corinthians he's, he's dealt with some stuff on the front end and he brought them together in unity. And now he begins to just kind of hit on like, okay, in, re, in regard to this, in regard to this, regard to this, like topical things. And this one is, is some speaking tension around the Holy Spirit and gifts. So he's engaging some tensions point by point. And this is how he begins. There's some con- confusion or some concern about words and what's being said. And the, the context is, is tongues and prophecy and teaching and what he'll begin to talk about in the, the next few chapters. But what he's saying is, is, in fact, this is what I want us to know today is, is don't be uninformed. The Holy Spirit speaks to move people towards Jesus. And so what he does is he contrasts several misses they seem to have, and he addresses concerns. He's laying a foundation, a path forward for life in the Spirit, where this God who, who speaks makes himself known among his people. And, and, and he says, you've, you've been fooled and led astray by false gods that don't even speak, and the counter is that the Spirit speaks to us and through us, and the Spirit will not speak against Jesus. That's not something that he's going to do. I remember a context when the Holy Spirit could say whatever he wanted, and it was never even a notion to open up the scriptures and see if what he was saying was in submission to the scriptures or shining light on the truth of the scriptures. And and certainly, he speaks and God can do and say whatever he wants, but he's not going to undermine the unity of the Trinitarian God made flesh and Word. He's not going to do that. In other words, you're not going to get a no from dad and then go ask mom with regard to the Trinity. You're not going to like, well, the father seemed to say it here and it was revealed on the son, but like spirit, what do you got for me? Like, let's just set that aside for a second. There's complete continuity. So, so the spirit will not speak against Jesus and no one beholds Jesus apart from the Spirit. In fact, it is the Spirit who awakens us to know God at all. So there are paradigms all over this place and certainly in this room and, and there's uh, fanaticism with regard to the spiritual gifts and there's stoicism. It's just wild and, and, and unhinged chaos and it's passionless intellectualism. And you probably find yourself sitting there and saying, I know which side of that line I'm sitting on. And if you've been here for a long time, I have an inkling uh, about your default. But what, what I would like us to see is, is that there might be more than just those two lanes. That and we've said this before, that, that it can't be Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. And look, I'm a word guy, and we are a word people. But, but we can't act like the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. And, and we can't act like he's handcuffed by this book, he is liberated by this book. So, so I want to turn 
to some promised words of Jesus about the remaining, remainder of this sermon. And we're going to look in John 16. And as Paul kind of sets us up and he points us to, to Jesus, I, I want us to, to listen to Jesus and what he says about the promised Holy Spirit, who by the time Paul is writing, he had already come in full, right? So John 16, and you can kind of read, we'll, we'll hop around, but, but four through uh, 15-ish. So, so the first thing I want us to see is this, the Holy Spirit convicts the world. That's pretty simple. Jesus says it this way. He says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And, and none of you asked me, where are you going? So he's saying, I'm leaving. I'm going back from whence I came, but you're not asking me where I'm going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You're only sad that I'm leaving. You're not, you're not worried about what I'm doing when I leave. Remember, they're, they're friends. They've been living together for, for years. So he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will what will he do? I just want to ask you, hey, uh, Holy Spirit, what, is he, what does he do? Well, Jesus, he, he tells us, and, and he, he certainly does more than this, but he says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, right? The Holy Spirit convicts the world. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, they are three in one. They are fully God, and yet they have distinct roles within the Trinity, right? And, and sometimes our minds melt there, and, and that's okay. Jesus came, and he plays his part in creation and in redemption, and he leaves, and he sends the Spirit to play his part in new creation, and it is to our advantage, not our despair, that Jesus leaves. And the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. One says it this way, that, that he will expose the error of the godless view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He, he comes to expose, convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And isn't it interesting that these are, uh, this is knowledge for salvation. This is what we have to know to repent and believe. That we are sinful. That God is righteous and demands us to be righteous. And that there is judgment for the gap between. That's the work of the Spirit. That we might know that truth. Or, or as we've said an uh, in infinite amount of times as we've gathered over the years that, that man fails. Right? And, and we sin, but Christ succeeds where, our, uh, where we fail. And he satisfies where sin fails. And, and his grace is sufficient. His grace is the only thing that bridges the gap. So con to convict is to expose in a convincing way. The Holy Spirit convinces the world of its error. He is the revealer or the revelator. He reveals 
God to us because that's what Jesus said that he would do. Now, you, be, you may be saying, is that right? Like, where is he at? Because this world is messed up. You tell me he comes to convict the world, but have you, like, seen, have you opened your eyes and seen the world because it's, it's not in good shape? I would say, fair. Convict the world is, is that any believe at all. And that for 2,000 years, the church has been doing this in his name. The greatest evidence that this is true is that, is that you believe. It is the Spirit's work that convinces any of us our need for Jesus. Or just as Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's not any other thing, but, but by the Spirit who awakens us. The Holy Spirit convicts the world because they do not believe in Jesus. It has been the work of the Spirit from old who has, has shown light in darkness to convince the world of sin and reveal the goodness of God, the Spirit through the prophets, the Spirit through Israel, the Spirit through the apostles, the Spirit through uh, disciples, the Spirit through the church, the Spirit through you, in this city, for such a time as this. I've said many times a quote from an old pastor. He says, we have a better chance of con convincing a lion to eat vegetables than a dead man to live. And here's the thing, that was once true for you, who walked in darkness and death was your destiny. And it wasn't some suave preacher in a nice jacket. It wasn't some loving neighbor who awakened you who were dead to life. It was the spirit of the living God. Smooth preachers in nice jackets and loving neighbors, and all kinds of things to bring people to saving faith. The second thing, the Holy Spirit guides to all truth. So as we keep reading, I'll jump in in verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Gosh, that's like good for preachers to hear that, to say to you, but like you you want the truth, but you can't handle the truth. That's literally what he's saying. And then he says, when the spirit of truth comes, and that's a little clue. He is called the Holy Spirit. He is called the helper. He is called the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. In one recent Spider-Man movie, um, Spider-Man is Peter Parker when he doesn't have the suit on, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Spider-Man is fighting a longtime villain called Mysterio, and he's rather mysterious. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> and uh, this is what uh, kind of Marvel says in the lead-up to this movie release. Mysterio was chosen to be the film's villain because he is one of Spider-Man's iconic villains that had 
yet to be featured in a film. And because his history of deception in the comics lent itself to a character who could take advantage of a Spider-Man that is mourning the death of Tony Stark. Iron Man. Okay? That is to say that, that Peter Parker, like all of us, is most vulnerable to be deceived when he's under distress. Like when life crashes down, when you're broke as a joke and you have bills to pay, when your relationships are fractured, when you're sick or, or you're walking with others who are sick, when the weight of the world is upon us and suffering and, and longing and despair. Or Mysterio says it this way, he says, it's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves. We just finished Second Peter uh, working through that, that book last week, and, and it's all about false teachers and, and deceiving and deception and being deceived. It's not a playbook for those things. It's a playbook to, to be mindful of those things. We see Paul write to his, his, his bro, Timothy, in 2 Timothy, he says, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So when we think about deception, we have to know that, that there are those who are deceiving and there are those who are being deceived. And if we can put two and two together, we could say that those who are doing the deceiving, they're also deceived. We read in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I can just see the, the little meme with Batman and, and somebody saying, follow your heart, and him smacking that person and it's saying, this passage, the heart is deceitful above all things. Don't follow your heart. So spoilers aside, the way that Mysterio goes about fooling the masses and, and certainly Spider-Man, is, is he creates illusions that are mixed into reality. Right? It's like a, a, a mixture of, of false things and real things. And the result is that, that literally there is a, a choreography of, of drones and sounds and destruction and, and high-tech projectors and, and a, even a, a director and a team. And what happens is, is the people see what he wants them to see. He can create people to have disguised conversation so that you're talking to someone but really it's it's someone entirely different and and in one scene spider-man's there and there are just mirrors all over and he's he's being hit like everywhere and all of a sudden he thinks he's somewhere talking to a person and a train comes from nowhere he couldn't see the train there wouldn't be a train where he was but because what he saw it wasn't it wasn't real so when when they see that the show they live as if it were true and, and he knows that they are easily and already deceived, so he just uses their own default condition. And likewise, we know that Satan is called the deceiver, and he's the, the, the father of lies. And, and he lies cover to cover. He is a uh, slimy manipulator. And what we know about ourselves is that, that because we are fallen... Because sin has broken all things. 
we are subject to reject God. And we do that when we don't know Him. I've heard it said by, by several recently, but, but basically tell me a God that you're angry with, the God that you're rejecting, the God that you're running from. Tell me about him because there's a good chance that, that I would do the same. And, and my goodness, there's a good chance that Jesus would do the same. That's because we're deceived. We don't know him and so John, Jesus, through John, says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. And He will speak what He has told, and He will give us insight about things that we can't see otherwise. See, words matter. And in this context that Paul was writing in, they would do like, mm, it would be like a modern equivalent of like a rap battle. Like, like part of the, the Olympic uh, type games that they would have would be to have speeches. <laughs> That's how weird these people were. And they would like cheer and they would like, you're, we don't want to hear you. But it makes sense because you see in Acts 17, Paul roaming around Athens and then him kind of like engaging some conversations and he's perceiving what they're about, that they're like very religious people that worship. They'll worship anything, even nothing at all, just to cover their bases. And, and then he engages in, in conversation. And what does one of the influential Jews say? What does this babbler have to say? And he, he, he kind of like, he, he intrigued them enough to where they said, well, why don't you come and talk at the Areopagus, which is like a big stage. And so Paul tells us that. Super cool. But, but, but the context is because they would have like speech-offs contending for truth. And you'd say, wow, what a wild world that might be. And, and I would say, it's, it's Twitter. It's the same thing. Everyone spouting stuff off, and most of it you can dismiss, and some of it's like, ah, that's kind of intriguing, intriguing. And you don't say, well, let's invite him or her onto the stage, but you, I want to hear more about what they have to say. So you follow them. And they spout more stuff off. It's the same thing. It's our same nature. And it looks a little different today than it did then, but it's the same thing. And so, so no matter what Paul goes on to say about the use of spiritual gifts that we'll get to in coming weeks, as the Spirit speaks and as he is manifest among his people, one primary aim for him is to guide to truth. Because everyone has a microphone and you just can't hear anything. And we are deceived. And so the Holy Spirit comes to tear down lies to make things clear. He illuminates. That is his job. He is the and maybe it's helpful for you to know how Spider-Man overcame. Well, Spider-Man, uh, he, he became first aware of the deception, right? That would be like the Spirit's work through the Word and, and through, through hearing truth. First he became aware, and then, then he, he, he got behind the show. He was able to, to, to jump into it, and, and he's so afraid you're not going to get close to this big monster, whatever it is, but, but what if I just went into it? And he, and he got behind the curtain, And, and then he began to engage with the lies. 
And he finally overcame the lies by having eyes to see what is true. And, and, and he literally, he, like, you're seeing this thing and everyone's seeing this big monster attacking the city or whatever. And what he does is he jumps past that false front and he begins to kick drones out of the sky. He was able to see what is true. He, he combated deception with complete clarity. And the Holy Spirit is a guide to all things true. And yet, it wouldn't be uncommon for us to up, up to this point in our life, try to navigate this world in the blend of what's virtual and what's real without a single thought considering the Holy Spirit, speaking with him, asking him, depending, him, depending on him to, to bring to our eyes all things true. He guides to truth, and that truth above all is the glory of Jesus in all that we do. And if you don't believe me, well, it's, it's the third point, so you have to believe me. And the third point is this, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And we look at verse 14. He will glorify me. That's what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will come, and he will convict the world, and he will guide to truth, and he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said big stuff that we can't get into right now. Jesus is saying he is from God and one with God. And like, what? See, when we receive gifts from someone, it both tells us a bit about them. And, and it also, uh, as we know them better, it informs how we view the gifts that they give. Two examples. One, imagine someone uh, going to a 10-year-old birthday party and giving them, uh, you know, a stock option, right? Or some cash towards a retirement account. <laughs> um, you could perceive them as being callous and having never met a 10-year-old in their life. It's fair. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're doing that, like, the family's going to talk about you. Just let it, let it be known. Like, when you leave, they're going to be like, well, he's got some nerve, How, right? But if someone knows you and understand what's going on, they could say, gosh, he knows something that he's living out of, out of a reality that, that maybe we're not. And, and this toy thing that someone else got that's going to be thrown in the waste bin in a week that's not going to mean anything. And, and while he might have foregone the best uncle award at the, <laughs> the birthday party, he does care about this kid's future, right? And so you can see how the gift both reflects and points back to a bit. Example number two, um, she's not here today, but, but Tanya Ferguson, she's given me a, a Christmas gift for years, and, and it's usually like a candle, right, for my office, and she knows, like, no floral scents or anything like that. Only tropical or uh, in the vanilla family is okay, too. Um, the, the one that's in there right now is lava. I never smelt lava, but it smells better than sulfur, and so that's okay. Um, so that, that's very cool, right? But she knows, uh, she, she knows the, the scents that I like or whatever, but, but she also gave me this little thing, right, with the candle. And this is just a little glass bottle with a cork. And it's got matches inside, and you're thinking, well, that's great. Well, you use the bottom, and you strike them right there, right? So if you know anything about Tanya, she's uh, gifted in the arts, and she's not going to give me something that light. She's not going to give me a, a Bic lighter or a, a book of matches from, like, you know, the 7-Eleven, so to speak. 
it looks cool, and the candle looks cool, right? And it reflects a bit of who Tanya is, and, and certainly she prefers function, but not at the expensive form because the candle smells great, right? Um, so, so I learned something about her, and, and no joke, every time, I, like, it's almost Christmas again, and I still have this many matches, so, like, I, I don't want to just burn the whole thing up, right? But I, I'm hoping that she hears this and she, she give me another one this year, right? But, but every time I open this up, I think, like, that's, this is cool, like, man, it smells good when I strike this match and I get to do this. And it like makes me smile. Like this is cool. It's not a lighter. That's boring, right? What a sweet gift and what a reflection of the giver. See, the Holy Spirit is, and he does lots of things and it's personal and it's spiritual. And his job is to shine a blasting spotlight on the finished work of Jesus. To bring him glory through the life of the church. Don't forget that. And when we continue to search this stuff out and look at, at, at gifts and, and all of these things, know that, that his work is to shine a, a blasting spotlight on the glory of Jesus. We worship a God who speaks to God be the glory. He isn't some mute idol, but his voice directs us to the to, to the to the God of all creation, and to the glory of Christ our Lord. So the Holy Spirit is, is right now at work, even in this room, even in your neighborhood, even in broken homes and broken families, broken communities, even in communities where everything just looks perfect and we know that it's not in churches all over this country and throughout the world. The Holy Spirit is at, at work in, in big ways and in super subtle ways. What he's doing is his primary burden is to lead people to live lives in light of the glory of Jesus, that we might behold him, that we might hold him, and that, might, that, that we might be bold through him for his glory and for our joy. Just as the Spirit speaks to move people towards Jesus, his gifts to and, and in and through his people, they allow us to be used in the same way, right? And, and is there mystery in these chapters that we're going to dive into? You get, and, and he's at work in, in a million ways that I can't even understand, but, but, but out of the gate, Paul sets the context for the gifts to be tools for the use of building and reflecting the glory of Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus said that he was going to do when he sent the Spirit. So if you see someone or some expression or some manifestation of uh, the Spirit or some presence of the Spirit which distracts from the glory of Jesus or undermines the truth of Scripture or muddies the ground of, of sin and righteousness, I, I think I can say pretty confidently it's not the Holy Spirit that you're bearing witness to, but very likely it's an unholy spirit. So what do we get to do? Well, we get to repent, believe, and follow Jesus. We get to repent today uh, and, and let the Spirit begin to convict us in the ways that we don't understand our sin and the righteousness of God. 
I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, would you transform my heart because my mind is not enough? Would you give me a, a new heart that I might have different desires, that I might believe and that, that I might be, be guided to all truth and that I might with my life, mind, heart, hand, all that you've given me, that I might glorify Jesus no matter what. Don't be uninformed. The Holy Spirit speaks to move people towards Jesus. And because this is true, the gifts that he gives are purposed to do the same. So as the band comes up, as we uh, explore together with Paul as our tour guide over the next few weeks, the nature of spiritual gifts, what I want us to keep in mind is, is that the Holy Spirit's mission is to move people towards Jesus. And, and is, there, is, is there more than that? that to the mission of the Spirit. So we get to respond. Um, we get to, to pray right where we are. We can stand up, can sing, can pray at the prayer bench, can go uh, back there next to that tree. Someone would love to pray with you. Um, there will be some questions that help us reflect and repent and respond on the screen. And for those who are in Christ, we get to, we get to take communion. And what that is, is it's a little cup of juice and a little cracker. And, and Jesus told us to, as often as we do, do that in remembrance of him. So what we're doing when we take communion is we're acknowledging our brokenness and our sin or acknowledging his brokenness in our place. And so we get to remember the good news and we get to declare it in the community. So we get to repent of sin as we approach that. Would you pray with me, God? Thank you for your grace and your goodness. Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak? Would you move us towards Jesus and his glory and our joy in that today? We love you and we need you. Amen.